Welcome back to the New York Gun Guys podcast. This is John. My name's Taylor. <laughs> Taylor's, you know, you're weird as fuck. Dude. I know. We were laughing about something before we hit the record button, and uh, we just went with it. It was a, uh, it was pretty funny. Yeah, we're not going to tell you what it is, but <laughs> anyway. So, John, the how you doing weird. today? Just so you know, the guy's weird. As oh, well. in case you know, our listeners probably already know that. I certainly hope they do. <laughs> well, they've, that's they've probably run away. We'd probably have a lot more if you weren't as weird. Maybe. Well, some people I think jive with my weirdness, man, because they're like finally somebody who's not like just some uptight not ro- asshole, not a robot. I'm not calling you an uptight asshole, but you know, you're calling me, and um, you don't you have no idea how no. tight of an asshole I am. <laughs> anyway, it's too early for that. Right, what are we talking about? Hi, John. Well. Today, folks, in case you didn't read the title or weird click on the link, I know, right, I know. Go ahead. Uh, we're going to be talking about one of the most famous rifle designs, patterns, in pretty much the world, man. We're going to be talking about the K98K. Nice. The uh, Carabiner 98 Kurtz. So, um, it's a very interesting rifle, and I brought by a couple of variations that we're going to talk about. But um, there's many different variations of the K98, and or the K98K, rather, and it's something that I got into more recently within the past year or two. Uh, You know, as everyone knows, I was like really big into Mosins and really big into like Eastern Bloc stuff. And I'm like, you know what? Let me maybe try getting into some German stuff. I was always interested. But the one thing that scares me about German stuff is that I there's just so much to learn. And to get your feet wet in it, it's kind of costly. Well, there's a lot of fake shit too, right? There's a lot of fake shit. And somebody could put a stamp on a gun and it could double or triple the value. Yeah. And if you don't know what you're looking at or you don't know what factory code or what Waffen up number you're looking at, like obviously there's books and the internet and everything. But, you know, to the novice, it's kind of like the cost of entry to get into it is kind of high. And then even then, you don't know 100% what you're getting if it's something that's legit, obviously, unless it has provenance, bring back, etc. Do you um, know 100% that the things that you have are legit? Oh, yeah, these are legit. And they're legit for the one reason of... Because they are what they are. They're not representing anything like on this but- on this K98 over here. There's not like a death's head. There's not yeah. SS runes. It's it's not something that you, I invested a crap load of money into. Okay. So we're going to get into it. We're going to dive right into it. But basically just a little little back uh, history. Now, the, the K98 has a really long history. Um, basically, it was derived from the Gewehr 88 uh, rifle. And then over the years, the Gewehr 88 went through a number of changes uh, from black powder to smokeless powder, and then it got shortened down. So this is what we're going to be talking about, the K98K specifically. So like I said, it's Carabiner 98 Kurtz, uh, often abbreviated to the Car 98K or K98K. It's bolt-action rifle chambered for the 792x57mm Mauser cartridge that was adopted on June 21st, 1935 as a standard service rifle by the German Wehrmacht. Um, it was basically the final development in a long line of Mauser military rifles. Uh, basically... Even though semi-automatic rifles became the norm in World War II, towards the end of World War II, uh, it remained the primary German service rifle until the end of the war in 1955. And at the end of the war, uh, millions were captured by the Soviets and, and then given to aid subsequently as to other countries as time went on. So you often find these in Africa, you'll find these in the Middle East, you'll find these in Vietnam. You know, people were still fighting them in Vietnam, American soldiers were still getting shot at by them. <laughs> so, I mean, they were made by, like, a crap load of people, and it's estimated that they built, like, 14 million of them, or something, somewhere along those lines. Good number. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it's a really, really interesting 
rifle, and mm. it's one that I'm, I'm kind of getting my feet wet into. I have a few of them. I have... So, let me get into the, the specific rifles right. that I had brought today. So, John, yeah. this rifle that I have over here, if you want to pick it up, hold it, sure. take a look at it, examine it, uh, take it off the table. That is a 1940 K98K made by the Berlin Lubecker Maschinenfabriken factory, code 237. So, the Germans on their guns during the war used factory codes, so allies that captured the weapons wouldn't know, hey, this factory is in Berlin, or this factory is in Munich, or this factory somewhere else. So they had a series of codes set up that they stamped on the gun. Now that gun specifically has lots of Waffenamps on it. Waffenamp is basically the eagle over swastika, yeah. as you know, some people know, some people might not know. And um, I bought a reproduction sling for it. Now the cool thing about that gun is, John, that's what's known as a Russian capture. And this is why when I said that gun I bought, it, it is what it is. It's not faked. It's not anything. It's a Russian capture. So what happened was after World War II, the Russians captured a shitload of those things because they were fighting them on the Eastern Front. And, you know, Russia during World War II lost more men. Uh, Russia on the Eastern Front alone lost more men in battle than the Americans did in all of World War II. They took a fucking they they took a beating the russians i mean they won but they lost a lot of men and they captured a shitload of those guns and then what happened was they're like well world war ii is a big war we had world war one so there's probably going to be a world war three at some point so they took those guns they refurbed them they fixed them up and then they put them away in long-term storage then they would give them out like i said to this military aid to other countries and then after a while in like the 90s they're like you know what we don't need these things anymore they're pretty obsolete so they sold them off to the U.S. as surplus back when, you know, we could get surplus from Russia. Unfortunately, now we can't. And then they made their way onto the U.S. collector's market. They were pretty modestly priced at first, and you were able to find some pretty cool gems in there, like rare receiver codes and, and things. But generally, they're mismatched. They're not all numbers matching. Because what the Russians did was they took a gun, they took all the parts off of it, they stripped it down, they inspected each and every part, and then they reassembled them. So Ivan took... A bolt from the pile and put it in another gun. Made sure it had space. And... Ivan. Yeah, Ivan. <laughs> Can I ask you a question about this firearm? Yeah, sure. What are the like Asian markings here? Asian markings. What do you? Yeah, you these look about? like some Asian type markings. I can't really see that well. That's what I'm asking. Oh look... no, they're not Asian markings. If it... move the gun away from the mic. Oh, those are Waffenamps. So no, basically, no, they're not. Dude. Okay, well, if the you... the other one is for sure. Yes, those. But th this like looks weird as fuck. No, it's an eagle over a number. So that oh, represents a repair depot, um, some sort of arms depot that they went through. Each there's an eagle oh, over yeah. a number. Now that I'm not looking at it upside down, it doesn't. <laughs> you fuck, you blind ass. Um, I am, dude. It's very. Well, then small. why don't you put on your glasses? Well, because I I didn't need my glasses to see distance. Uh, <laughs> all right. I so, mean, yeah. no, but like when you when you look at it a certain way, right? So those eagle over numbers represent like a, a depot, um, a, an armorer, something that the gun has passed through and was stamped. They yeah. also so have like, them on the stocks and all yeah. little parts. Because I see, I see the one over here, which is, jeez, oh, I can't even know, I don't even know where it is now. Right here, that's more more clear. It doesn't yeah. have the numbers. 
Yeah, that's it, an actual waffle nump. Yeah, but the other one, I forget that. I think those are called waffle numps as well. But basically, yeah. they're numbers. They're they're an eagle over a set of numbers, and that number you could look them up. It, it's kind of mysterious. Like uh, some people know for certain. Oh, that's an inspector mark at this depot, and then the rifle went out from there. Or some people Damn. are like, you know what? We don't know. That one I picked out for my safe because it's covered in cool markings. Like there's a lot of cool little things on there. Um, and also the 1942-37 is kind of a rarer date uh, from what I hear, the Factory 237. Um, but one thing about the Russian guns, which I was saying, was they're mismatched. They're all mismatched. And generally, they have... Um, oh, John's handing me back the gun. Thank you. So I can... Sorry. So I can yeah. look at it a little closer and talk to you. Um, they're, they're almost all the time certainly mismatched, unless the, the, the Russians captured like a pristine one and then they just you know put it right back out put it, yeah put it away well they didn't put it back out um they just like put it in storage yeah put it in storage so generally with the russian captured guns you're gonna see on the receiver or the bar yeah that's the receiver in this case and what looks like an x but really what it is is cross swords that's the russian uh refurb stamp basically saying hey these this gun went through us oftentimes you'll see a dark red or brown shellac on the wood, it kind of comes across as reddish or brown. Nat K98s naturally were unfinished, I believe, or that, or either that, or they had an oil finish on them, not a shellac. So they're much more natural wood color. So the RC K98s, RC is Russian capture, has you know a shellac on it. Now some people say, well, I want to clean the shellac off the gun and restore it back to its original, you know, finish. You could do that, but oftentimes what what people are finding now is that the Russian capture guns are harder and harder to come by that are actually as they were referred by the Russians because a lot of people restored them. Um, you know, a company called Mitchell's Mausers took them, refurbished them, kind of duped collectors into thinking they were original guns, but really they weren't. Um, so that's a, that's a whole nother story. But these represent a really good value for somebody who wants to get into K98s, who wants to get into German small arms, you know, small arms rifles, K98s, and not spend a crap load of money. They are going up in value. You used to be able to get them really cheap, and I'm kind of kicking myself for not doing it. But this gun and my other K98 uh, Russian capture, I paid six fifty four, and now I see them going around that, maybe eight hundred, depending on condition, factory markings, etc. And that's the big thing with the German guns that I really had to kind of brush up on was. What does this marking mean? What's that marking mean? What's this marking mean? And it just it, it just spirals into in, from there, man. Um, so this gun has a lot of really cool markings on it. So John, those those markings. Oops, shit. Sorry. <laughs> Bump the mic. Sorry about that. Everyone. Yeah, what is, it has like a two one four. It looks yeah, like or a so that's four. an eagle over two one four. I don't know what that means specifically, but um, generally those eagle over numbers means like a depot that the gun was. Went through. They, or, there's like so many of those stamps on there. It's like I know. So on the on the barrel, there's an eagle over two seven four. The uh, receiver. There's waffenomps. There's two cross X's on the receiver. This gun has a lot of cool markings, and that's why I got it. Um, also on this stock. So underneath the shellac, people actually find some pretty cool stock markings. When I, I kind of started wiping away the shellac on the stock a little bit, just to lighten it up, I saw that there was um, a stamp on the stock, an eagle over number. It's kind of hard to see, but um, so I kind of, I, I left the finish as intact as possible. But the biggest things with the, with the RCK-98s, like I said, the stocks are going to be like a reddish brown shellac. There's going to be a number stamped on the stock, the serial number. 
basically like the Russians do that. Like they say, okay, this is 2174, and then the receiver is 2174. So that's something they did. It's a vertical stamp on the receiver. The Yugoslavian reworked K98s have a horizontal stamp on the um, on the stock. So the, the Russians have a vertical. The Yugoslavians have a K98, uh, have the serial number horizontal on the K98s. And the Yugoslavians also rebuilt these as well. And they're actually a pretty good value as well. So um, I'm going to put this one down here. And I'm going to talk about the other gun that I brought that has a really interesting history to it. <laughs> this gun here is a Polish WZ-29 Mauser. Now, some people are like, what's a WZ-29? Well, <laughs> basically, it's a K98 that the, Polish, that the Poles made from 1930 to 1939. Or 29 to 39, basically. It's kind of at the end of 29 into 1939. And uh, we all know what happened in 1939. Germany invaded Poland and such the start of World War II. <laughs> basically, it's the Karabinek WZ-29 Polish bolt-action short rifle based on the German Car 98 AZ. Now, the Car 98 AZ was kind of an intermediary between one of the later Gewehr 88 models and the Karabiner 98K, the Kurtz. Basically, the, the easiest way to tell an AZ from uh, K98K is it has a stacking swivel on the end of, like, underneath the barrel. That's the easiest giveaway to an AZ model. Um, basically, one of the um, identifying attributes to a WZ-29, I mean, to a... Uh, K98AZ includes a 9805 style mass bayonet lug ending directly beneath the front sight and wing protective ears to enter the side of the front sight to either side of the front sight blade. So that's what this one has as well. Um, there's two different variations. The cavalry model has a turned down bolt handle and the only and the early versions still have that stacking hook. So this is an infantry model with a straight bolt handle. Then the cavalry models had a turned down bolt handle. The interesting thing about these guns, though, are that the Polish Mausers are really rare. And there's two different kinds of that I, that I really see out there. Again, I'm not the most um, expert on these, but just because I have one, I just kind of looked into it a little bit. Um, this one is scrubbed of all receiver markings. I have two of these, and this one's the better condition of the two, so that's why I brought it. Um, the Poles exported these to Spain during the Spanish Civil War. The nationalists were fighting the Republicans. The Republicans were the left, you know, communist, so to speak, faction, and the the nationalists were the right, you know, yeah. military dictatorship. In, in other countries, like Republicans versus liberals, they they have different meanings, <laughs> right. you know. Well, the republic, they you know, <laughs> right, republic, right. an actual republic. Right. That's what they were kind of right. going for. Um, so the interesting thing is, like I said, these were exported to Spain during the Spanish Civil War, and they were scrubbed of all receiver markings. Now, you'll find some that still have the receiver markings on them. They'll say FB Radom, you know, 29, WZ-29 on them. The big giveaway that these are Polish, if there's no receiver markings, how can you tell one is Polish? Well, there's two There's two ways you could do it. They often get confused with the, with the VZ-24, the check, because of the Z in a circle on the receiver or on the bolt. That is a big giveaway that it's either Polish or Czech. They use the same markings. But the biggest giveaway that it's Polish is this. I'm going to show John over here. This sling bar mm -hmm. on, on the gun. If you notice, yeah. a normal K98 doesn't have that sling bar. 
This is the biggest giveaway that this is a Polish gun. On the left side of the gun, there's a sling bar in front of the disassembly hole for the bolt. I mean, in, behind the disassembly hole for the bolt. A normal German K98 doesn't have that. That is the, the, the biggest indicator just from looking at it that it's a Polish gun. Also, the sling swivels on the front of the gun, there's two. There's a lower one and a side one. That's meant for infantry and cavalry. So there's two ways you could you know, use this, over the shoulder or around the back. Now this gun that I have here is extremely well made. I'm definitely sure it's Arsenal refurbished because the whole gun is just this deep, rich blue. And you can see some pitting, just very slight pitting on the receiver that the blue is over. So I know this gun was re-blued. You know, it probably saw service and was probably re-arsenaled and then imported into the U.S. It doesn't have any import marks on it, which tells me it was imported prior to 1960, was that 62 or 68? I think it was 62 that you, or yeah, one of the two years that, that didn't require import marks. But it does have an eight millimeter, um, somebody, the importer stamped eight millimeter on the left side of the receiver. So John, if you want to take a look at this one, sure, I'll pass this to you. Um, it's basically, like I said, a, a K98, but it has some different features. And the Polish ones, they you don't see them too often, and that's a it's a really cool gun. It's beautifully finished, um, <laughs> and I it's very it's a very impressive it's a very impressive gun in my opinion. Um, but yeah, the Spanish Republican, uh, the Republican faction of the Spanish Civil War, also known as the Loyalist faction, was the side in the Spanish Civil War of 1936 to 39 that supported the government of the Second Spanish Republic against the nationalist or rebel faction of the military rebellion. They were the republicanism, anti-clericism, anti-fascism, social liberation. They were center-left or leftist party, popular from 1936 to 39. And that was the the uh, group that was trying to do what? They were so they were fighting in the Spanish Civil War because right. they wanted to establish a, a far-left government in Spain. Uh, the nationalists gotcha. were like. No, we don't want that. We yeah. want a military dictatorship. Mm, so ultimately, the Republicans lost, and I believe Franco was um, elected or took over Spain, basically. I'm not too familiar with my Spanish Civil War history, excuse me, guys, on that, but it's something you all can look up if you have time. It's a very interesting conflict, and also a lot of Mosins were used in the Spanish Civil War. Yeah, You'll see a lot of Mosins. That the biggest giveaway that a, a Mosin was a Spanish Civil War gun is the wire hangers that um, come out of the sling uh, the swing swivel, like the swing, uh, sling loops. There's wire hangers, they call them. It's like square, basically metal that use that you attach the slings to. And a lot of those guns are interesting because they weren't refurbed. They were just sent straight from whatever country to there, and then they weren't refurbed and they were imported. So a lot of times you could find some really cool um, M91s or, or converted M91 guns that were M9130s converted in the Balkans after. It, 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 it's some really cool history to them. But um, they both shoot these both both these guns shoot the eight millimeter Mauser ammo. Eight millimeters a really powerful round. Um, the Germans at the time they wanted to focus more on machine gun tactics. That's why they really didn't develop a self-loading gun until later in the war. They still had the K98 as a standard infantry rifle, and they were basically using that to to help supplement their machine gunners. And um, basically, they, they viewed the infantry as glorified ammo carriers for the machine gunners. That's why when the U.S. had the M1 Garand, it was such a game changer because, like, holy crap, these guys got semi-autos and we're still using these bolt actions. Although a very fine quality bolt action, they were still using bolt actions nonetheless. Now, 
there are books written about the K98. There's books written about the history of them, about the Gavari 88 onwards. So there's there would be so much to cover that I honestly don't know about. Um, but both these guns represent uh, pieces of my collection. I have two RCK98s and two WZ29s. One that definitely was used as a weapon of war. It has some guy's initials uh, carved into it on the other side. What are the initials? I think it is um, H... What is that? HS, I think. Um, now, are you sure they are initials, or do they mean something? Like, I, no I remember idea. the... What was it? U, UCK? Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. Um... I, to be honest, I, I can't answer you. But the cool thing about mm. the... Oh, oh, by the way, the WZ-29, the other one that I have, that's yeah. the gun I accidentally bought. <laughs> if, if you uh, all... If you are, you know, frequent listeners of the program, you, you'll remember the, the joking story that... No, it wasn't a joke. Well, we joke about it, uh, well, that I accidentally bought a gun. It's very serious. You have an addiction. It's not a bad addiction to have, though, It man. is. At least I don't smoke crack. Yeah, I mean, compared to smoking crack, it's not that bad. <laughs> but what, you know, like, but you, anyway, that can be said about a lot of things. But Oh, so let me tell you the detective work that I had to go into to figure out what that gun was that I bought. So I had no idea about really Mausers at the time. I was starting to get into them. I had the K98, the RCK98, and I see this gun on an auction website. And the pictures, there was only like four pictures, and the pictures were really blurry, and they were crappy, and the gun was like really cheap, and that's what really kind of piqued my interest about it. It was a K, it was a K98 that was really cheap. I'm like, all right, what gives? Condition looked used, but wasn't terrible. And then I saw that little Z in a circle stamp. I'm like, what is that? I Google it, you know, do some Google foo, and people are like, oh, it's a check gun. It's this, it's that. But then when I see that sling bar on the other side, I'm like, oh, from what I could tell, that looks like a Polish gun, and it's so cheap. And I'm like, hmm, let me buy it, or let me. Let me see what the highest bid was. And then I Oh, you're talking in, about the one that you accidentally yeah, bought. Yeah, this is the gun that I accidentally bought. Well, it wasn't this one. No, 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 no. no. This was a, another one. That, yeah, the one that's at home. Yeah, so I, I uh, put in a high bid just to see where it was, and then nobody outbid me. So, I, I you know, I accidentally bought it. Okay, well, that's not the whole story. <laughs> that is the whole story. No, you told half the story. No, no, no. That's so the, that half, okay, that's fine. Yeah. But... You put it so whatever it was really so, cheap whatever so, so I put, put in, in a bid. I wanted no, to see how high the I'll, bid was. I'll tell I'll tell the rest of the story. All right, tell the rest of the story, which I I don't know what else there is. Bullshit! You left out a key detail. What's you didn't just detail? bid once on the gun. No, you bid. <laughs> so you you make it sound like I just bid once and whoops I no, won. No, I said I wanted no. to see what the high bid was. Yeah. <laughs> Look, maybe this is the the story you told your wife. Okay, I only bid one time and oops I won. No, no. what happened was. He fucking bid on it, and then he was outbid, and he was like, well, I'll just well, bid again. Well, it wasn't outbid. There was somebody with a bid higher than me. Yeah, that is called being outbid, my guy. Someone had their... some No. Someone had their max bid higher than yours, so you put a bid in, and it automatically rebids their bid. Therefore, you were outbid. So, what did you do? <laughs> put another bid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you put another bid. And then what happened? You got outbid again? Yeah. <laughs> and then what happened? I think it was like a couple of bids. And, and then, then you and then what happened? And then I was you, the high you bidder. You put in another bid. Yeah, but then I was the high bidder. Right. I think it happened three times. Yeah, you bid like three that. times. Yeah. Because I just wanted to see what the high bid was. There was a certain point where I was gonna stop. And then but I reached that point before, when you were <laughs> No, 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 no. Because I'm like, all right, you, you know what? If somebody if somebody outbids me, yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bid over them. But nobody did. 
So it was it was meant to, it was meant to be. Listen, man. Sometimes you win, sometimes you win. Nothing about that is a meant to be kind of thing. Let me let me say this. Maybe accidentally is the wrong word. I unintentionally bought one. Why can't you just say what it is, which is you bought a gun? Well, yeah, that's what wound up happening. That was the result. Yeah, but that's what was the intention as well. It wasn't the sole intention. You can't lie to me. Like I said, <laughs> I wanted to see what the high bid was, and then if somebody outbid me, eh, that's the, yeah, but then that's what here's it was. My point is that you bid three times on it. You were outbid three times. Yeah, because it was still stupid cheap. Yeah. Yeah. So you didn't accidentally purchase the gun. You bought the gun... We're just we're just splitting hairs here, man. That's not splitting hairs. We're, we're just splitting hairs here, my man. My man. Oh look, maybe Andrea will believe you because she loves you deeply. I don't love you that much. Oh. Not not like a wife. Anyway. <laughs> so I will call you out on the shenanigans. Anyway. John. I'm not trying to change this. Of course, because we have two beautiful guns sitting in front of us and we're splitting hairs over something, you know, that, that happened in the past. It's well a, it is what it is. <laughs> Anyway. I just I, I'm gonna need to hear you say it one day that you intentionally bought that firearm. I don't know, man. I'm gonna OJ the shit out of that. Deny, deny, deny. <laughs> Wasn't won't, me. He won't be able to win this one. No. But yeah. anyway, so John, you've shot my K98 before. I don't think I have. Yeah, you have. Okay. Because remember when we took um we took our friend to the range to get certified, and I brought the K98 along. You mm. you took a couple of shots from. Okay. Me. What, so do you remember it at all, or was it not even that memorable? <laughs> I don't remember it. I don't. Huh. Rem- I, it was probably just a few. Maybe it was like five rounds. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it was probably similar to the to the Mosin mm-hmm. for me. You know. Yeah. It is. It's it's similar in feel to the Mosin. The right. eight millimeter is very powerful. It's a mm-hmm. non rimmed round. Um, one thing about ammunition. So ammunition is still around for these guys. The surplus ammunition is pretty much all but gone. The last stuff that I got was Ethiopian, which what does it fire? Uh, eight millimeter Mauser. So. You could get new production ammunition. I think PPU makes it. Um, there's a lot of hunting rounds that are chambered in this caliber. Um, you used to be able to get a lot of surplus for it. Stupid cheap. And I, like I said, I wasn't really into those guns when you were able to get that. I'm kind of kicking myself now. But um, I have a bunch of Ethiopian 8mm that I picked up pre-pandemic from a website. And the one gun that I have, my other WZ-29... I was getting hang fires. I was getting dud rounds. I'm like, what the fuck is with this ammo? Ian from Forgotten Weapons did a video on the Ethiopian 8mm. And he's like, you know, it's okay ammo. It's not the greatest. It's corrosive. But for the price, you know, it is it is what it is. I think I remember you shooting it, though. And it was, like, real bad. Yeah. It was like, really, hang really fires. bad. Yeah. It would so, be like, click. Bang. Boom. Yeah. yeah hang fires, man. So... I, f- I fired it out of my one WZ-29, the, ones at ho- the one that's at home, the one that's well-used and well-worn. I was getting dud rounds. I was getting hang fires at the ass. And I'm like, what the fuck is with this ammo? I was really thinking of getting rid of it, honestly, because I'm like, I don't want this shit. You know, it, it's... So then I took one of my other K98s out, one of my uh, Russian capture ones, and I used it. And I only had, like, maybe one dud round and, like, a few hang fires. I'm like, all right. So it was definitely my other gun. I think it's the, the firing pin spring that is worn out it's not hitting the primers hard enough so that's what's causing duds and hang fires etc so that gun i think i have to put a new spring in mm. and they sell the springs for it it's, it's not it's not bad you yeah. can get new springs for it i mean the gun is you know like almost 100 years old at right. this point it could be 100 years old so or 90 years old so i mean a spring especially if it was used you know extensively hey you know springs wear out things happen 
So when I shot it out of my other guns, occasionally you would get a hang fire, occasionally you would get a dud round, but it was much less. I mean, when I first fired it out of that other gun, like I said, it was like 50% of the rounds were hang fires or duds. And I think that was because of the firing pin spin in the right, spring in the rifle. Next time I took them out, it wasn't as bad. A few hang fires, but it also teaches somebody, like when we took our friend to the range, he shot the gun and he had a hang fire experience because we always, we tell him, you know, if the gun doesn't go off, wait a second. Don't just be like, hey guys, swing it around. Like, you know, keep it pointed down range. It was like kind of a good training experience almost, you know, and then he, he's like, oh, that's what a hang fire is. And I think I actually got it on video. I'll, if I, I'll look through my phone a little later. I'll post it, the video um, of the hang fire. This because is something really funny. What? It's like he gets a squib load uh, and then shoots and then like and the, the gun, gun blows, blows up, up and he's like, so that's what a squib load is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, luckily no squibs, yeah. thankfully, but um, that's always a possibility with military surplus. If something right. doesn't sound right, if something doesn't feel right, stop inspect um you know that's that's something we we face with these old guns and this yeah. old ammo mm-hmm. um you know so hang fire is really interesting it kind of feels like you're shooting a flintlock or a musket you know um but the ammo like i said it's still out there some of the best eight millimeter surplus you could get is romanian um eight millimeter that stuff was really plentiful at one point people who had uh from what i was reading online people who have machine guns chambered in eight millimeter love that they just ate it up one thing of note, Yugoslavian, uh, not Yugoslavian, sorry, Turkish 8mm ammo is loaded extremely hot and is not to be used in 8mm self-loading uh, semi-automatic firearms or machine guns. It will damage your gun, it'll blow your gun, it'll, it'll damage it. It's loaded super hot and it's only meant for bolt-action rifles, Turkish 8mm Mauser. You can look up the head stamp, it has a crescent with a, with a star, I believe. And that stuff should only be used in bolt-action rifles. So just a heads up on that. Anybody listening? Turkish, 8mm, only used in bolt-actions, never in semi-autos. Um, so, yeah, that with that little bit about ammo said, you could get new production ammo. It's pricey, but it's out there. And, you know, honestly, I think for somebody who really is interested in old guns like this, who, who's maybe started collecting Mosins like myself or other guns that will let you say a little more affordable or a little cheaper... Once you got, once you get kind of, you know, I don't want to say bored with it, branch out, try some other stuff, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. What's your after handling this gun, this gun, John? What do you like? Do you does it feel different than a Mosin? How does it handle? How does it feel like when you pick it up? Um, does it? What What are your impressions of it? It feels a little uh, like it was assembled better than yeah. a Mosin, um, but I mean, it's for me. I know it's not a Mosin, but it's just another bolt action. You know, okay. You know, I mean, it's definitely it definitely feels like it's put together um, better, like it's right. just assembled. But the quality just feels better. But you know, there's not too much. It doesn't really shake. You know, right? Like you can, the parts are pretty much uh, now. Like there's some good. there's some cool differences between this and like let's just say other bolt action uh, military guns like a Mosin. I'm sure. going to say a Mosin because it's yeah. one of the most common ones. Mm-hmm. So the Mauser, the safety, yeah, the safety is yeah, a big, that's a big one. one. It's a three position safety. So. You, you have a flag safety that, you know, fire is to the left, right. safe is in the middle, and then there's a disassembly safety, another position. It's kind of like a neutral safety almost. Like you can't, well, you, you could lock the gun up in this position. The so bolt this, locks. Yeah, the bolt locks. Yeah. This middle position, you could take the bolt out, and it's on, it's on safe, and then the left position Fire. fires the gun, right um, which is a big advantage. Also, one advantage you have 
of the Mauser is the cock on open. So let's just say you load around, you go to fire, it's a dud round. You could just lift the bolt handle up and down and that recocks the action. And then also if you want to, let's just say, decock the gun, you can, I don't know if you, I wouldn't try this on a live round, but like let's just say you want to, you just run the action, you want to decock it. Basically, as you close the bolt handle, oh, I didn't do it right that time, so. Didn't do it right again. Yeah, there you go. Pull so, the trigger first. Yeah, pull the trigger first. Sorry, I have I don't I don't handle these guns as much as I should, but yeah, you pull the trigger first, and then that lets down the the uh, the striker, right. the the you know the firing pin. Yep. So that's another advantage too. You could safely decock as opposed to the Mosin one, where you have to turn it, pull it, and, and it's turn a it. real bitch. It's a real bitch. It's that's a real why bitch. a lot of times, like not to sound like a safety Sally here or whatever, but. I don't even fuck with the safety on a Mosin. Yeah. If it's just, if it's unloaded, bolt right, open, right. you know, safe. Right. It, that's just. And then just exercise fucking common sense. Right. Like don't fucking point it at anybody. So this one. Obviously. So this one, this flag safety is really good because you could totally keep the gun yeah. locked. Like on the, when the flag is all the way over to the right, bolt's not coming out. Trigger's yeah. not, you know, you could keep one in the chamber totally fine. So that's, um, that's a really, you know, ingenious kind of method. Right. Um, that's one advantage that I like of this. Um, it's, it's built really, really nicely. Like mm-hmm. John said, the quality is there. Early Mausers, I mean, pre-war Mausers, they have it like a thing with like pre-war and post-war. Pre-war Mausers are beautiful. They're machined perfectly. They're, they're deep blue. If you find an original one, not a K90, not a Russian capture. As the war went on, <laughs> they got a lot simpler. Yeah. They realized, oh, we can't spend as much time making these. We need to get them out the door. We mm-hmm. need to, you know just get them out to soldiers. So as the war progressed, they just got simpler and simpler and simpler to the point at the end of the war where it was just like, it was just like a piece of wood with an action in it. You know, um, <laughs> if you want, John, you could look up the, uh, I believe it's called the Volkssturm uh, rifle. Basically, it's like a, um, uh, the Volkssturmgewehr. It's a submachine gun or it's an automatic rifle <laughs> that it, the people's assault rifle, which is, Cool fucking name. It was made during the last months of World War II. Um, if you look up a picture of this, it's ugly yeah. as fucking sin. Dude. It's basically, just uh, you know, it could fuck. It was just basically like uh, you know, a delayed gas blowback submachine gun. Basically, um, you know, simple wood stocks, crude construction, but they were just you know making them and giving Are them. The to back, people. the back, like the rear sight is just like a piece of bent up, like. <laughs> metal yeah it's well, like not even like it looks like you can bend it down with your fingers yeah well it was made out of like really crude sheet metal and you, you know, know and wood you know it's funny but the, they're really rare now like the fucking the the um the stock is like super shitty looks like someone just like cut it out of a fucking two by four and stuck it on the back yeah no it's, it's pretty, pretty much funny pretty much what it was man and i mean even towards you know the end of the war you had Guns like the Kriegsmedal, um, K98, which, you know, was the, the late war, I believe, version of the K98. It didn't even have a stock. I mean, it down might be the disc. shittiest gun I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, it is. That's Dude, not nice. No, I mean, I'm not saying it is the shittiest gun, but it definitely looks like it would be the shittiest <laughs> Very gun I've crude. ever seen. Very crude. Have you ever seen one of these? Yeah. Have you shot one of these? No, God, no. They're extremely rare and they're full auto. Yeah, but you've been to machine gun shoots. Nah, they didn't have that there, man. This this is like that's a really rare piece, man. Mm. Really rare. Not not that many, man. Uh, <laughs> There's they're incredibly ugly. 
I will say. They are. Um, if you guys want to know more about the different models and God, variations. It me of the high point. <laughs> is it the high point of World War II? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> fucking super, wow. super fucking ugly. Wow, way to shit on it, John. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this is the kind of thing I would expect to find, like, on the NYPD, like, Twitter that they, like, pulled out of a fucking. <laughs> Confiscated. Yeah. Man, if they confiscate one of those. Oh, they I would just they would... melt it. Oh, don't tell me that. I actually man. don't know if they melt it or just grind. Uh, they grind it up. I uh, don't. Uh, Jesus, like destroying history, man. I mean, to <laughs> them, it's just a piece of metal, you know. Yeah. So, like late in the war, they made guns like that. They made the Kriegsmedell uh, K98. It doesn't have a disassembly disc. It has just a little hole in the uh, the the butt plate. Uh, no bayonet lug. You know, it screws. I don't even know them. what you would do if it had a bayonet lug. Mm-hmm. Not that. I'm talking about the K98s. Oh, okay. So I'm not okay. talking about the Volkswagen. Okay, right? okay, okay. I'm talking about the Kriegsmedell K98s. There's a really still, I'm good. I'm like fucking just hooked on how disgusting <laughs> it looks. There's a really good video made by Ian from Forgotten Weapons that shows the evolution of the K98 rifle, all the different ones as the war progressed, pre-war, and as you know, the war progressed all the way until the Kriegsmedell. But as everyone knows, at the end of World War II, Germany was really fucking hurting, man. They were strapped for resources supplies they were running thin mm-hmm. they were just giving guns like the volkstrom the people's submachine gun they were just saying here go you know go defend your town or go defend berlin you know it, it was just fucking nuts man and that's why a lot of times the german guns command kind of such a high premium because they were the bad guys they were yeah. the losers right. this stuff you know if it's not a russian capture all of it was bring back it's like there was yeah. a guy that i was showing before the podcast started um from a Facebook group I belong to, actually somebody local to me who has all this German stuff, flags, mm. pins, hats, armbands, and he was, you know, selling it. I mean, an impressive fucking collection. And when we talk about, we, on one of our previous episodes, we talked about controversial collecting, you know, as somebody who doesn't want to, obviously as somebody like me who doesn't glorify the, the Nazi ideology, but as somebody who sees these relics of history. I could appreciate the history of it. Yeah. And it's just like, wow, like yeah. all of this stuff was bring back. Right. Like GIs right, right. had to bring this back. Yeah. So, or, you know, afterwards people traded and, you know, shipped things, but whatever. A lot of it was bring back. And, you know, there's history behind it. And that, to me, is what's intriguing. These guns, even though they're covered in swastikas and whatever, they're just a piece of history that, you know, the Germans made some really fine guns. Except John doesn't think that Volkstrom is a very fine gun. I'm telling you, it's the high point of World War Two. <laughs> the high point of World War Two. Maybe that's what we should name this episode. Well, no, that would detract from the K98. We'll put Dude, that as like ugly. a little. We'll put that as like a little like oh my God. the little sidebar, like you know, K98s it and the, war, super, the high point of World War Two. Super uncomfortable to even shoot. If you look at like, oh, it's a semi-automatic rifle. Excuse me, it's not fully automatic. Oh, that means you. Yeah, sorry. My, my mistake, people. I, I thought it was full auto, but I just kind of just did a quick little Google foo here. The uh, it just If you look at the way the stock is just crudely attached to the back of the gun mm. and look at the placement of the trigger, it just looks like it would be so... Uncomfortable? Yeah. Well, I thought it was a, a machine gun because it took uh, STG-44 mags and mm-hmm. it fired... The, I thought yeah. it was just a simple submachine gun, but it's a... It's a it's not. It's a. It's a semi-automatic. So my apologies on that, people. <laughs> uh, well, like, like I said, I don't know so... too much about German weapons, Ooh, it's so um, but they are very rare and they're very, um, very expensive if they do come up for sale. So I just like the name, the People's Assault Rifle. It's like, you know, kind of something that yeah. somebody in the U.S. would say, like the AR-15, the People's the, Assault. And rifle, just to give you guys an estimate, not. the the uh, the estimate price on these is twenty to forty grand. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it's, this is not going to be the type of thing that, you know, I'm going to be looking for to buy. No. <laughs> but they're, they're, they're ugly as hell. They only bring backs, man. And that's the crazy thing. It's just like, you know, the lengths that Germany would go through, it's like at the end of the war, it's like, wow. Like like the British, how they made the Sten gun. You know the Sten, what the Sten gun is? I don't think I've ever seen one. Well, Google food, John. The Sten gun was a domestically made uh, British submachine gun. That literally you can make oh, okay. out of yeah, I've seen them before. pipe yeah. hardware material. Like yeah. it's very crude but very effective. You know they use that all yeah, through World War II. Yeah, but this isn't like nearly as ugly. No, what are you kidding me? The stun gun is way uglier than the Volkstern. Absolutely not, dude. What? This shit's fucking cool. You Which shot, one are you looking at? You shot one of these, no? No, I've never shot a stun. What did you shoot at the MP34? Oh, okay, right. You know, machine and pistol MP34. Yeah. Um, there's different variations of the stun. Some of them had a wooden stock. This is a replica. Oh, some of them had a wooden stock, and some of them... Yeah, the wooden stock one looks nice. I think that's the Mark V. I think that's the, the, the Sten is the... Uh, the Sten Mark V has a wooden stock. Um, but, I mean, the Sten gun is, is so much uglier British than, than the British Army Sten gun? Wait, what am I on right now? Because <laughs> it says it's $30, which I doubt. No, no, no. Yeah, no. this is like got to be something... And you know what the cool thing is? This must be like a... Like, people build the these... Fuck? Like, the parts kits are stupid cheap, and people build them up as semi-automatic carbines, which are actually pretty cool. Um, but literally it's just like a tube and, the, and with like a piece of metal as a stock, like there's no pistol grip. There's yeah. no, um, it was basically just the cheapest submachine gun that they can make. The, the grip is like just a slice of metal. Yeah. Well, it like, looks like as you shoot it, like it would just slice your fingers off. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but it's not ugly, dude. I'm telling you. The, the other one is way the uglier. The Sten gun is way uglier than the Vulture. No way, dude. The other one is way uglier. Now, that's that's subjective. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder, uh, well, Of people. course it is. I mean, this looks... No, oh, dude. I, the other one just looks like they like they just took parts and just like stuck it together. This one look, I don't know, just doesn't look as bad to me. Yeah, the other one looks way worse. This one doesn't look as bad. Yeah. <laughs> I, I happen to disagree with you, but okay. At least the other gun has some wood I, dude, on it for some comfort. I mean, yeah, but if you look at the other one, like it just looks like they cut the stock off of one gun and fucking like bolted it to the <laughs> other gun. They were like, fuck it. We just need this crushing, <laughs> fucking cut it off and stuck it on the back with a fucking screw. Yeah. Like this is, at least this looks like they were like, all right, let's kind of think about it. <laughs> It's gonna, it's gonna all be fucking metal, but let's think about Pipe it. Pipe with a piece of metal on it. Yeah, that's all well, it is. Yeah. I so, just love that the grip is just like a fucking sharp yeah, piece later, of metal. Later, later iterations of the stand gun, they put a wooden stock and a pistol grip on it. You know, they made it actual, but for you know, for expediency's sake during the war, they just uh, you know kind of crudely threw it together and made it. Um, but anyway, getting back to these beautiful K ninety eights here, John. <laughs> Well, what, is, what what more is there to say? Well, uh, there's there's two things. There's another thing that I want to say is that. Um, if you find you might find one that's been sporterized, let's just say it was really popular back in the day to sporterize these. Um, they were a lot of bringbacks, or they were imported. They were stupid cheap, and people used to, you know, the old fuds used to turn military rifles into sporting guns. A lot of times, it's not in today's world. It's not worth trying to restore one that's been cut, um, or, or depending on how it was cut and made into a hunting gun. Let's just say that to me is forever hunting gun. Sometimes you'll see a K98 that has what's known as a duffel cut. Basically, they cut the stock and disassemble it in order to fit it into a GI's duffel bag, hence duffel cut. Duffel cuts are repairable um, by somebody who knows what they're doing. There's excellent um, videos on YouTube by Anvil Gunsmithing, uh, Mark Novak. He shows a couple of videos of duffel cut repairs on different guns. Not a how-to, but basically how he does it, and he takes you along kind of for the journey. 
Um, you can definitely get it repaired if that's the only thing that's wrong with a gun. You know, if it's a bring back, I would say go for it. Um, if it's a non-matching gun and the stock is was messed up, you could get another K98 stock that's not going to match, obviously. But they are out there. Um, the biggest problem I had with this gun was things were really like the front barrel band, the nose band was so tight, and you know you can you, you really got to be careful with these guns. Uh, this one has a repair on the made by the Russians or the Germans on the the top hand on the upper handguard. So sometimes the stocks are a little fragile. Um, that's one thing to be careful of. You can see there's a little crack here, and then they they put a piece of wood kind of. Let me dug. see. So they, they put a piece of wood kind of dovetailed. I know. I'm handing it to you. you. Got it? Yeah. Yeah. They put a piece of wood dovetailed in it. So you oh, know, sometimes the, the top handguard on my other one is is loose because it, it was not probably original to that gun. So there's things to know about Shit's with the fucking leaking whatever. Well, that's that's the uh, the shellac yeah. that they just you know. It's just fucking heavy there. Yeah, yeah. Ivan went a little heavy on the shellac. <laughs> So, um, you, you know, to me, it just, like, I like the Russian capture guns better. You know what I did notice? The difference between these two guns? What? And I don't know if it's just because, like, the spring is not as strong in the, in the um, magazine. magazine. Um, this one, you have to push the, push the mag, like, put the, push the spring down to be able to close yeah. the bolt. And look at that one. Yeah, this that one, one not so you much. don't have to because but, it has... An angle on the follower of the magazine, it right. has an angle yeah. that allows you it's to just, close it. It's just it. like one of those like little differences, yeah. you know? Yeah, no, that is true. That's something I didn't even notice before. Um, yeah, this one does have an angle on the magazine follower that yeah. allows the bolt to go over yeah. to, um, to I wonder if that's it. like, you know, I wonder if that's like indicative to each gun. Like, well, it's a design feature probably of yeah. the Polish guns. Right. Um, well, that might be a good way to distinguish one gun over the other, like, if you can't for whatever reason. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the Polish guns are very distinguished. Like I said, the big giveaway is the stock, uh, the sling bar on the stock. The other one is the front sight has um, has these kind of wings to the left and the right. This one, for example, doesn't have a sight hood on it. So some of the K98s don't have sight hoods on mm -hmm. them. It's like a little piece of metal that goes over it. Some of them do. Um, the RCK98s are notorious for them being removed. I don't know why. Excuse me. Um, that and the um, the action screws or the retaining screws that hold the action into the stock, oftentimes the secondary screws were removed. I think the Russians considered that like a military thing. I don't know. But when these guns were imported, you used to be able to just get those parts and, you know, make it whole again, so to speak. Like I said, though, this one doesn't have the cutout on the side of the front stock, uh, on the front sight for a sight hood. So some of them do, some of them don't. That was depending on who made them and uh, the time period, etc. So, um, yeah, the biggest, like I said, the biggest giveaways that one is Polish is the winged front sight ears. Uh, the stock has the, the sling bar, the two sets of sling swivels, and that usually that Z in a circle, unless the receiver wasn't scrubbed and it says FB Radom, you know, WZ29 on it, then you know it's Polish. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, like I said, the Russian guns to me represent a gun that was actually used in combat. A gun that could have been, you know, on the Eastern Front. Again, I, you know, buy the gun, not the story. But, you know, historically, these guns, Russia did capture. Russia did, you know, reclaim and they did refurb. So these guns definitely saw some service of some sort, in my opinion. And um, to me, as somebody who collects the guns that maybe aren't the prettiest or maybe aren't all matching because they, they do represent actual use historically, you know, that that to me is is something that I really look for. 
obviously, if I could have a mint condition, beautiful canine, I would love that too, but I'd be afraid to shoot it. You know, I wouldn't want to, you know, I would shoot it, but I would be afraid to. Because we spoke about that. I, I'm giving you such a look right well, now. Well, I know. And that's what I'm getting at. It's like, you know, a gun that that that, that is that beautiful, like, I would love to shoot. But at the same yeah. time, it's like, you know, I don't want to be the one to fuck it up. <laughs> this just as it goes back to what I was saying. And I don't even know what episode it was. Yeah, but it was, go, a, it was but, a few episodes ago. But shoot your guns. I do. Okay. But what I'm saying is, like I said, one that's in that beautiful of a condition, I would be... I would take out my other guns. What, what did you say? You said shoot your guns. I said you don't have to if you don't want to. Right. You don't have to if you don't want to. I think that all guns should be shootable, but, you know, like well, I said, you were I would, saying don't buy a gun not to shoot it, basically. Well, exactly. Yeah. I, I think that, like, obviously, if a gun is chrome plated and a presentation gun, yeah, that's one that it goes Yeah, but I also think box. there's nothing wrong with buying a very nice, like, a beautiful spotless piece that's just fucking incredible that you just don't want to shoot it's nothing there's nothing wrong with no, that no there's nothing you're wrong still, with that you're it's... still giving it a, a a home you know so to say in in a situation where it's being appreciated it's just not being fired yeah i know but to me it's like i think all guns should be able to be fired all well, guns they can be they should, just you know you know because then you might as well just buy like a wall hanger at that I point i mean it's like not... buying it's like buying a really old car and not driving it like one that's like really like not like well yeah I know. don't think that should be the case either I think you should drive no them. I know but and, and I think most people do yeah. but there's fucking museum pieces that yeah, people just I don't know, drive know. you know because and it's, it's like, not practical if you but have like, a large but enough it's collection dri- it's drivable and yeah. it can drive and everything on it works but people just don't drive them right but the point know? is if they bought that car to specifically not drive it it's like well, well they bought it to restore it well yeah to restore it to driving condition per- perhaps yeah. But you know, it's like, just—it's a personal preference. It is. It you is. Know. And to me, like I said, I would love to have a pristine mint, all matching K ninety eight. Yeah. Number one, I can't afford that. <laughs> so what do they go for? Oh God, like thousands of dollars. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, an original, all matching. You know, sometimes you can find a deal, but a lot of times, definitely over a thousand dollars. Yeah. You know, so that to me is like, well, I can't really afford that, but I can get a really cool piece of history that was used, captured, whatever. So, to me, that represents more of my collecting interest. I wonder if anybody has ever gone to, like, garage sales. You know people go to garage sales and they ask, like, for shit that's not actually at the oh, garage yeah. sale. Like, oh, do you have broken jewelry, I, things I like that? I do that all the time, like, man. You, you go to garage sales and you say, do you have any firearms? Well, my, no. Well, firearms, yes and no. Like, for example, my father is really big into garage selling and, let's just say, keeping and holding on to items. And A.K.A. <laughs> yeah, we're... <laughs> and a lot of times he'll call me it's and sense. say, "Hey Taylor, I'm at this garage sale. They have some right. ammo." Right. Um, I'm like, oh, "Oh, what do they have?" Yeah. So, and then he'll ask, "Oh, do you have anything else? Do you have any guns or ammo or whatever?" Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I don't stop at any garage sales just because of you know, it's just I don't. Yeah, you know, like I always tell myself, "Hey, like it would be cool to stop at garage sales, see what people have." But then, like you drive past and you're just like, "I don't, I just can't do it." Like, <laughs> here's all my shit, buy it. Well, I know. I mean, I, growing up, I did go to a lot of garage sales with my father and flea markets. And, you know, back before the internet, it was a really interesting way. It was to, a good way. Yeah, yeah. Like, we used to go to this big flea market every weekend that was that was in Nassau County. Aqueduct? No, behind a movie theater on Sunrise oh, Highway okay. in Valley Stream. Okay. Every weekend, I'd be there with my dad. And um, I actually, my, my amplifier, my guitar amp, not to get too much off on a tangent, my, my Mesa Boogie Mark IV guitar amplifier. It came amplifier. from a fucking... Yep. The guy you had to replace th- a tube in it, right? No, I didn't have to replace no, anything. Okay. The guy thought it was a PA amp because yeah. it had a graphic EQ on it. We got it for 150 bucks. Mind you, that's like right. over a $1,000 guitar amplifier. Yeah, 
Right, so right. back before the internet was really, I mean, the internet was a thing, but it wasn't like you didn't have you didn't have smartphones. You couldn't just yeah. look something up. My father had to call on his little old Nokia to a friend of his. He's like, "Hey, what's a Mesa boogie?" And he's like, "Buy it." Yeah, <laughs> right. And then I I wound up with it. But yeah. you know, you uh, in other states, I you know, in other states where gun buying and selling is a lot less, I don't say regulated, but more freely, people sell guns at flea markets all the time. I see yeah, shit on Facebook. Yeah. That people post in collecting groups. Oh, I picked up this old single shot twelve gauge mm. at a flea market for a yeah. hundred bucks or fifty bucks. Right. So you know, if you ask, I'm just curious, like if like I went to a couple of garage sales and just like, hey, like, look, do you have guns, am- ammunition? Yeah, guns or ammunition. Well, like, I wonder um, if that's like weird to approach somebody no, about. No, I mean, you could just say, oh, do you, you know, um, I'm always in the itch- I, I collect I'm a old firearms. Of, right. Yeah. Do you have any old guns or ammo that you want to sell or get rid of? Yeah. And you then know, you'd have legally. to go about like yeah, background bringing check. them to the fucking bringing that having that person go with you to a fucking right. Place. Or if it's you know an estate sale, a lot of times estate salesmen like yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a story. Uh, a friend of my father's and I used to do those storage room cleanouts. Oh, okay. And he used to, before it was really popular on TV. This was right. his, his business. That's right. what he did. And oftentimes he would come across firearms and then yeah. in storage rooms. And he'd, he'd call me and be like, what is this? I'm like, well, it's this or this. And then he would go take care of it. If it was, you know, something he had to turn into the police or whatever, he would call me. Um, but it's a lot more common than you think to just find guns in storage rooms yeah. or find guns in people's houses that right. they didn't know about or that. What's was there. the legalities now of finding, like if you bought a storage unit and you found like a rifle? Because in theory, it needs to be it's transferred. Yours. Mm, um, yes and no. Um, I don't know what the specific policy is on it, but technically, if you bought it, um, I don't know if you have to surrender it. Um, I, I'm not. I, I never followed through with that because he it's just, a rifle. Because it's a rifle, right? But, the, like but the problem is, let's just say if somebody reported that gun lost or stolen, right? And then you buy it in a storage room. I don't know. He just called me to say, "Hey, what is this? Is it something illegal or is it what you know?" And then he went from there. Whatever he there did, there must with be it. a way. I think probably like like especially with handguns, like like let's oh say handguns, you had, yeah. You got well, you'd like call like let's say you'd call the Suffolk County Police right. Department. They'd probably come voucher it and then make and then when you went to pick it up, they do a background check on you, make sure that you can actually own. Well, that gun. not only that, but if it was lost or stolen, what if the well, gun was right, reported would, lost or stolen? Right, and but then, then you would say to them, "Hey, look, I bought a storage unit. Right. I found this in it." I'm sure that's they what would he did. Take it. I'm sure they would run the numbers and, and I make don't sure. know. I don't know because they did that. I'm sorry to interrupt. They did no. that with my. Um with my Mosins, when yeah. I had a voucher, that my they like took them, um, I they ran the serial numbers, all that shit, make sure yeah. like you know they weren't using any fucking crimes, crimes or stolen or, or whatever. Yeah, and then when I went and picked them back up, they uh, they had to do a background check. I had to get like shit notarized. That is so weird, man. Like yeah. I I remember you telling me this whole story. I'm like, yeah, they were your guns to begin with. Why they were not? my guns to begin. Well, but yeah, but it was you know they don't know now. I might be a felon. But what was weird is you I walking had, up with a shield. Right. Well, that's the whole thing. I had my credentials with me, so it's a little weird. Yeah. You know, that's the but, thing that I don't get. They should have just been like, hey, here you go. That's a checkbox for them. Yeah. I'm telling you, man. It's just like they have to do it. They have to say they did it. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's like anything else. Yeah. Um, but so so the thing with the storage rooms, it's like, or even flea markets or garage sales, in other parts of the country, it's super common to sell guns at garage sales. You yeah. know, it's, it's nothing to bat an eye at if you got a hunting gun on a table. You know, and and that to me is something that I think is should be normalized. I mean, unfortunately, you can't really do that on Long Island. You just kind of have to ask around. But in other parts of the, oh, our friend, our mutual friend that we took to the range, actually texted me the other day, or the other day, he's upstate visiting family. Okay, upstate, and he's like, hey, I'm going to check out some gun shops up here to see if they have any two two three because he's building himself a, an AR fifteen. Sure. So I'm like, oh, good luck. 
So yeah. he's like, hey, um, no stores around here had any, but my grandpa, who I was visiting, knew a guy who knew a guy who's selling some out of his barn. And I'll show nice. you his, yeah. I'll show you the picture that he sent me. Basically, this guy was selling two two three. He had my friend you have any said nine millimeter. I don't know, man. But Damn, basically, why would you bought, ask for me? You know, I'm looking for nine millimeter. I, I didn't even think of it, bro. I he texted me yesterday, and I I told him I was supposed to get back to him with something. I was with the baby. Let me see. So. Yeah, he, he bought it. The guy said he basically scooped it out of a barrel and put it in bags. <laughs> He's like, is this illegal? I'm like, well, as long as he didn't no. manufacture. Well, the whole thing is, if he didn't manufacture the ammo himself, then it's fine. If he's just selling ammo that he bought. Right. If he's selling ammo that he manufactured, technically he needs a manufacturer of it ammo license. It doesn't look like it's right. everywhere. It's just military. It looks like military 55 grain, you know, nothing special. But he's like, yeah, I had to go to this barn down this dirt road. And I'm like, that's I've the kind that. of people you want to buy I've shit from. I've done that from. before. Yeah. That's the kind I've of done, shit. Not, not New York. Um, I was out of state. I bought ammo. Yeah. Yeah. But so he's like, um, the guy only limited it to 50 at a time, 50 rounds. So he paid $30 for 50 rounds mm. at 60 cents. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? But compared to what yeah. the going rate yeah. is. Yeah. And this is what I was t- saying about. Um, a, an episode or two ago yeah. about the pandemic stuff, right, you know, right, right. you you network with people, you find people that aren't these shops that are taking advantage of people, right? You know, and and you kind of work through it. Like he got me some parts, um, and I'm gonna barter him some ammo. You know, it's kind of we're just all helping each other out here. Sure. So I mean, sixty cents around for now. I mean, it's it's a good price for right now. Mm, I'll be, yeah, dude, I'm yeah, Long Island's going bad. for eighty to a dollar around. So is nine millimeter. Yeah. So he got two, two, three for sixty cents, which is double what it should be, right. in my opinion. But considering everything that's going on, and this is a guy that just got into firearms, has no ammunition yeah. at all. So right. I told him, look, like don't jump on the first thing that comes to you. But honestly, I, you know, I could see him going for that. I'm yeah. not, I'm not giving him shit for that at all. Uh, it looks like he only bought what fifty rounds. You said, yeah, he bought yeah, fifty rounds. Bad. No, and you know what? Like I said, I told him, you know, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna barter him some ammo of me, and I'm not gonna bend him over and you know take advantage. <laughs> sure you won't. Why are you giving me that look? I know you. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, you'll be, you'll be. No, not at all. He bought me. Um, he bought me two uh, spur grips for AR-15s. Yeah. So I wanted to change out the grips that I have to spur grips. Sure. So uh, I don't like the grips that I have on there now. I have the bore grips. Okay. So I'm putting spur grips on them, which obviously is compliant guns. It's, you know, it, yeah. It's just like, you know, won't be bending them over per se. No, no, no. Basically, the grips were like twenty five bucks a piece. So he bought right. me two, so I'm gonna give him fifty dollars worth of ammo. So even you know, if he paid sixty yeah, cents around okay. for that, okay. You know, even if I gave it to him well, for forty or fifty cents around, well, f- well you giving him to fifty dollars in ammo in now prices? Yeah. Well, not now prices. No, because then gonna, he'd be bending them over. He's my best friend. He's my best friend. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bend him over. But you know, it's still gonna be. He's gonna make out and. Yeah. You know, I, I have both. I have these boxes of 100 that I got from Walmart, Federal 223, you yeah, know. Yeah. So I just, I'll just give him a couple of those, you know, whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. So um, get him set up. He actually bought a really cool kit um, from Palmetto, which I know we're getting a little off topic from K98s, but this is what I was talking about with the pandemic, buying and all that. The upper that he bought was one of the Palmetto Premium uh, Cold Hammer Forge Chrome Line barrels, 18-inch, and he's going to kind of make like a DMR SPR target gun out of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Chrome Line, like I told him, like, if, they, if I were to build an 18-inch gun, this is what I would buy. Yeah. And he's like, cool. And, you know, unfortunately now, Palmetto has raised prices on things due to demand and supply, whatever. So, you know, the upper was, was a premium price. I think it was like six or $700. Okay. And, you know, he got the lower locally, and he's building a compliant, you know, whatever. And um, I still have a lower. 
Yeah, you need to you need to work on that. Well, yeah. now now's not the good time to build that. You no, should. I'll do it. I'll do it after everything. I don't care. Yeah. So I have a lower two that I need to build up. I have one yeah. sitting in the safe, but um, you know, I already have like the target gun. I have the the you know, the regular AR. You know, the little smaller one per se, the sixteen inch gun. So it's like you know, to me, it's like. Yeah, you know, which we'll do an AR-15 episode um, soon enough. It's going to be kind of an interesting one because there's a lot to talk about. Maybe after the pandemic bullshit ends and all that, we could do one of like me building out the gun. That would be like a little internet series of like what we did each day. That would be cool, man. Yeah. Well, yeah, certain things now are decently priced, but other things are very pricey, right? Um, and it depends on what you want to do, but um. I think that isn't that's a really good uh, that's a really good idea. Uh, jot that cool. down. Jot that down. Okay. <laughs> well, we won't forget. Yeah. So finishing up this episode on yeah. K98s. Um, if you want to get into other types of guns, maybe more intensive collecting, because this is more intensive than just Mosins. Like Mosins, this is probably like what I would say intermediate level. Yeah, intermediate to advanced because German collectors are very anal, for lack of a better word. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> um, there's so many little details, and yeah. so many different models, and this and that, and you know you're gonna you're gonna wind up buying books, you're gonna wind up spending hours on forums, you're gonna wind up you know knowing all these little markings and all these little details. I don't know them all, but I just you know that's why I like the RC guns because yeah. it's like you know what you're getting. It's a six hundred dollar K98 that was used and refurbed by the Russians. You're not buying one with a death's head on it, SS runes. You're not. You know, and you can, there's so many different variations and so many different factories. If you really want to get into collecting these things, it's really cool. Mm. And if you guys that are listening have any cool K98s you want to share pictures of or talk about, put it on the, the New York Gun Guys Facebook page. Um, we, I made a post the other day and I put a video up of me shooting that little TAC 14 that I, I had. That's an older video pre COVID, so, you know, no mask or whatever. But um, I thought it was just—I thought it was pretty cool, and I'm like, oh, you know, hey, we just talked about this. I had a video. Let me yeah. post it up. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if you guys have any pictures or videos of shooting guns, I know one member posted a video of his daughter shooting a gun. It looked like at the Nassau Range, Eagle yep. Range. That was really cool, man. I think his yeah. name is Michael. And um, so, feel free to post up, man. Like I said, yeah. I kind of want to make this like this podcast like a little community, people helping people advice you know whatever to the best of our knowledge i don't want it to be some sort of pretentious group or the wild west but you know we're not you know we're not the most knowledgeable guys but we like to definitely talk and interact and Mm -hmm. you know gain knowledge from people um i mean i belong to some really good collecting groups on facebook and the knowledge that these people have are insane like yeah like with that that sniper mosin i mean immediately people were that that, you know posting back and forth about it whatever and i posted to military surplus uh pages on facebook K98 pages about these guns saying, hey, how do I do this? Or what does this stamping mean? Or, you know, I, I that's how you learn. People talking with people. It's like mm-hmm. the gun show, but online. Yeah. I wish we could sell on buy on Facebook, but right. whatever. So, um, yeah, if you have any cool K98s or German small arms, or if you happen to have a Volkssturm rifle, <laughs> post yeah. a picture of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like I said, I thought it was a machine gun, but it's really just a semi-auto. Don't so. worry. No one's going to crucify you for it. You made a mistake. <sighs> it's not a big deal. I know. I, I know, know. You're, you're sweating it right now. You really are. You think, <laughs> that guy Taylor doesn't know what the fuck he's talking nobody about, man. Nobody has ever done that. Oh. No one has ever done that. More or less, and except for the guy who said we need to lube it up. Oh yeah, lube it up. Some guy said that I don't know what I'm talking about once about a law, even though. Okay, whatever the internet (laughs) or whatever you say, buddy. The internet. Um, Now that you've like, you're gonna wish it into existence. People are gonna fucking call you out on it just to be a dick. 
Well, it is what it is. I don't <laughs> you know. know what? Like the first episode. Call, call him out on it. Like the first episode when I called the Chinese Type 54 T33. Yeah, and you like texted me like you were like you woke up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat like I fucked up. I fucked up. Like dude, like okay, it's not that big of a deal. I'm a, I'm a little self-critical when it comes to this shit. Um, no, you don't have to be. No. It's not that big of a deal. Eh, I know. All right, well, that's it for this episode. Everybody check us out on Facebook, Instagram, like us, share us, um, comment, uh, get involved on the page, please. We'd love to see you. Check out all the other episodes on all the podcast uh, platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, We really appreciate everybody listening. Continue to listen. Please share us, show your friends, listen to us, um, even if, you know, you don't like our podcast that much. You should still listen to it. <laughs> Just um, put it on the background while you're doing yeah, housework. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, definitely leave us some feedback. We love feedback. You want? Oh, I thought you were like giving me like. I was the, just oh, moving the mic. Oh, okay, okay. Mm. All right. Well, that's it for now, guys. We really appreciate everybody being here, and uh, we will see you next time. And as always, be safe. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much for tuning in to today's episode of the New York Gun Guys podcast. If you guys enjoyed the show, check out our previous episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you can find a podcast. Uh, we have new episodes every Monday and Friday, so check us out. Uh, we're also on Instagram and Facebook at NY Gun Guys. Check us out. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Share it. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you very much for tuning in, and as always, stay safe.